Thank you for listening to Tales from Witchhaven. This podcast is created by Dan Lee and Rodeo Whiter and produced by Rodiax. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jackson Thorne reporting to you from JT Auto Repairs for all your motoring needs. As always, I'm joined by co-host and published author Imelda Blackwood. Thank you, Jackson. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If this is the first time you've tuned in, congratulations, you've made it. On this public access radio show, we aim to uncover all of the mysteries of our sleepy little town and expose them for what they are. A dark conspiracy? A supernatural threat from the great beyond? Or just a big misunderstanding? This week we're looking into one of my favourite cases so far. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? What we do is very dangerous. You need to have some sort of fun every now and then. I'm sure the bar staff would agree. They were tipped very generously throughout this investigation. Okay, so the setting for this week's tale of Witchhaven is the Purple Frog pub. Trudy, the landlady, had been getting very annoyed with the ghosts that reside there. The glasses on the shelves behind the bar kept spontaneously smashing. But don't forget about old Jack by the window. Ah, yes, old Jack. Regulars in the Purple Frog will know old Jack as the man who sits next to the window and always has a story to tell. No one quite knows how old old Jack is, but he's a good reliable source to get evidence for this case. Rumour has it that he's older than the pub itself. Rumour also has it that old Jack was already sat in the space before the pub was even built. Apparently he was waiting for the pub to be built around him. I asked him about that, by the way. What did he say? He just said, the town always needed a pub. Anyway, old Jack had a certain significance in this investigation, didn't he? He did indeed. Not only was he a fountain of knowledge that proved instrumental in solving this case, but he also provided one of our most incremental clues. That's right, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. This story really began when Trudy came in to get her headlights replaced. But it wasn't just that the bulbs had blown, they were completely shattered. And so were her taillights, brake lights and indicators for that matter. The only glass that wasn't shattered on the car were the windows and windshields which were reinforced. I asked her how she'd done it, shattered all of her bulbs without getting a scratch on the car, and that's when she told me. Every now and again, always in the middle of the night, glasses all around the pub would shatter. That's when Jackson called me. I was just writing the epilogue to my next novel when Jackson rang, and as soon as I heard the news, I hightailed it to the garage which actually got me in some trouble, as it turned out I'd completely forgotten to pay. Susan, if you're listening, I promise I didn't mean to steal that Bakewell slice, or that peppermint tea. I came back straight afterwards and settled my debts, plus the rather ridiculous stolen cake tax that your staff put on my bill, and... So Imelda came back to look at Trudy's car, and that's when we decided that we'd better investigate further. Right. After Jackson had closed the shop for the night... The two of us went to pay the Purple Frog a visit. Just on a side note, if you are heading over to the Purple Frog, try and avoid walking through the pumpkin patch. They do get very snappy this time of year. I think they're cute. So we got to the pub and had a look around. A couple of the regulars sat about the place. Old Jack in the corner by the window, and the ghost of the White Witch floating by the dartboard. Nothing seemed any different, so we thought we would get a couple of drinks and just wait to see if anything would happen. Well, after a couple of house pumpkin beers... And then another couple... Yes, the place started to get a bit... fuzzy. That stuff is incredibly strong. 
We ended up playing charades with the White Witch and played a very dangerous game of darts with Horace, the Morris dancer. Incidentally, if you fancy a game of darts, Horace will always be there with bells on. Yeah. Sorry about your bells, Horace. I'm sure they'll turn up somewhere. It turned into quite an eventful night, and not just because we were slightly pumpkin-swashed. Indeed, in all of our merriment, we had almost forgotten why we were there, until the glasses started to smash. That's right, the witching hour was well underway by the time it started, and as usual, the Purple Frog's licence had run out for the night, so only the last few patrons were left at the usual nightly lock-in. Until that moment, it was a night like any other. There was a hearty hubbub of conversation swelling all around the pub, and Fernando had even started up his nightly piano concerto in the corner when all of a sudden, in a clattering cascade, several glasses behind the bar shattered, raining down shards upon the barmaid's startled heads. Luckily, no one was hurt, but the vibrant atmosphere within the purple frog was shaken, instead replaced by an uneasy shudder on the air. Fernando's piano playing had ceased, and it took a long moment of silence before any of the patrons felt compelled to speak. Finally, it was old Jack who broke the silence, and all he said was... Damn ghosts, at it again. Then he went back to his drink. We had seen nothing that could have caused this freak occurrence. We didn't see or feel any ghost. We asked the white witch. She just rolled her eyes and said, Ghosts always get blamed. If it can't be explained, it's ghosts. If it happens at night, it's ghosts. We even get blamed every time Horace loses his bells. After the rest of the lecture about how we shouldn't blame ghosts for everything, she said that she had felt something, but she wasn't quite sure what. But she did notice that old Jack was just about to take a sip of his drink when he suddenly froze just before the glasses started smashing. Did you also notice the white witch flicker as well? I did, yes. That's something I'd never seen before. You annoyed her when that happened. Did I? Yes. She flickered and you called her a lamp. Oh dear, that really wasn't me. That was the pumpkin beer talking. In any case, I've always found it odd how some ghosts manifest visually, and others are simply invisible. I've always found that the invisible ones have a tendency to move things around or break them, as if they want people to know they're there. I suppose being invisible must get rather lonely. In short, it seemed like a textbook haunting. Everyone in the pub thought it too, but no one dared say it in front of the White Witch. We asked the White Witch if she normally felt things, which I can assure you was extremely difficult to say with tact, and after apologising several times, we finally persuaded her to offer an answer. Generally, ghosts can feel the presence of other ghosts or supernatural beings. Anything that disturbs the atmosphere in one way or other tends to trigger a reaction. All evidence pointed towards a haunting, except for old Jack. We wondered what could possibly make someone freeze up like that we decided that our next line of inquiry would have to be old Jack himself, so we pulled up a chair beside him and struck up a conversation. We started by asking him if he even knew he had frozen. All he said was that he was aware of it. We asked him what it felt like, and he wasn't much help with that question either. He replied with, it felt like I couldn't move, so we decided to call it a night and pick up our investigation again the next day. While Jackson was seeing to the shop... You'll all be glad to know that I didn't close the shop at all this week. There were no jobs finished late. Gareth, the intern, didn't scratch a single car, and everyone could come in and pick up their bits whenever they decided they wanted them, 
because God forbid you should wait an extra day for your oil change. Honestly, it's as if no one in this town wants their mysteries solved. Carry on. Thank you. While Jackson was seeing to the shop, I went to see a certain Beatrice Featherstone, who most of you will know as the local greengrocer. But I should think a good many of you, dear listeners, will also know her as Witchhaven's most gifted medium. I paid her a visit at the potato counter and contracted her to accompany us to the Purple Frog that very night. So that's why you invited me over for a baked potato? Well, everyone knows Beatrice's potatoes are the best. I like them with cheese. So after conversing with Beatrice and telling her exactly what was afoot, she too thought there was only to be one answer. It had to be a haunting, and not a very nice one at that. She said that ghosts often interfere with inanimate objects, and that's usually fine. Really, they're just seeking attention, and often having a chat with them will calm their spirits. But when they start to interfere with people, that is when we should start to worry. Beatrice said that only evil or seriously disturbed spirits would interfere with a person in the manner that one seemed to have interfered with old Jack. It sounded like bad news, so as soon as night had fallen, Imelda and I headed back over to the Purple Frog to meet Beatrice there. She told us that the best time to perform a seance was always when most of the supernatural activity occurred. Apparently it's different for every case, but for this one, it seemed our seance was to fall on the witching hour. Just typical. Of course, when we got there, we received an earful from the White Witch, but one stony look from Miss Featherstone, and the witch was silenced. At first, she sulked off through a wall somewhere. I hear the pumpkin barrels are her usual haunt. But later, I saw her peeking through a crack in the brickwork. I don't think she could fight curiosity. The Purple Frog was locked once more, and all of those who remained were bound to attend the seance. There was Beatrice, dressed in her blackest gown, Jackson and I, Trudy the landlady, two ashen-faced barmaids, and of course, old Jack. We gathered around the old millstone that rests on ancient stumps in the centre of the pub. In the centre of the stone, Beatrice lit candles that flickered and swayed, as if performing some macabre dance to a soundless serenade. She first performed the cleansing rites to rid the room of evil and protect us from whatever deranged spectre might haunt us. And then we took hands. By candlelight, we all appeared gaunt and waxen-faced, the arches and furrows of our skulls made too obvious by the dancing flames. And then she started chanting. All of us stayed silent. None of us could understand her words, but we didn't dare interrupt them. We had no idea what we might face in the purple frog that night, but we thought it best not to anger it. When Beatrice's terrible chant had ended, she remained, swaying gently, as if carried by some unfelt current of a dimension beyond our own. Her eyes darted back in their sockets, and she sat hauntingly erect and quiet as the grave. We all held our breath for fear of awakening demons. All around us, glasses began to shatter, releasing tiny splintering explosions throughout the pub, and even then we remained still and silent. Time seemed to slow, the long seconds trickling past us. We could almost feel each grain of sand as it slipped through the hourglass. And then she opened her eyes. She looked at each of us with the same cold expression that she gave the white witch. I remember it made me shiver. And then she asked, Is this some kind of a joke? All of us were shocked. Beatrice told us that the only spectre to haunt this pub was the white witch herself. 
It took a long time for anyone to respond. We were all so sure that someone or something was haunting the purple frog, but according to Mrs Featherstone, there was nothing. We asked her what was smashing the glasses if not a ghost. She didn't know, and she didn't really care either. At this point we thought it best to leave and maybe return the next day, again at night hoping to see something new. We did go along the next night, but my little dog, Bertie, was getting quite lonely. He'd been waiting up almost every night for me to come home again, so I took him with me this time. We should advise all patrons of the Purple Frog that dogs aren't usually welcome due to a very unfortunate incident a couple of hundred years ago that led to the White Witch's demise. She really didn't like me taking sweet little Bertie in there, but realistically, what was he going to do? He hardly comes up to my knee and he wouldn't hurt a fly. It was fortunate that she did eventually let us in. Indeed it was. So we had a couple of drinks. Not the pumpkin beer this time. No, not the pumpkin beer. We left that stuff alone. So we were sat there drinking our drinks, waiting for something to happen, listening to another yarn from old Jack about how he founded the very first witchcraft administration right here in Witchhaven, and only a select few know where it is today. When all of a sudden, the very same happened again. Jack froze, and not a moment later, the glasses began to shatter. However, unlike the last time, someone else did react rather violently. Bertie began barking wildly, and running about the place in little circles. Then he turned his frenzied yelping to what we initially thought to be old Jack. However, on further reflection, we now wonder if he was actually barking at what was outside. This only complicated the case even further. If it wasn't a spirit or ghost, what could it be that affects an old man, a dog and several pint glasses? Jackson figured this one out. You don't have to sound so surprised. Who says I'm surprised? I'm not surprised. Well, I figured out what could have caused it. But that doesn't mean I solved the case. Perhaps not. But I'm sure the White Witch is glad of you proving the innocence of ghosts. It came to me when I was fitting a car radio the next day. I was just minding my own business, mulling over the case, when the radio suddenly crackled into life with that horrible high-pitched feedback noise. And I suddenly realised. All of the smashing glass and the dog barking, even old Jack freezing up, it could have something to do with sound waves. This was the only link I could think of between the three subjects. Certain frequencies far above the spectrum we can hear can still be heard by dogs. Sound waves can also smash glasses as well, as long as you hit the right resonance. If it was all caused by sound waves, it was hitting the right resonance to shatter certain glass, like the bulbs in Trudy's car or the pint glasses in the pub, but obviously not the pub's windows. I had been doing a bit of research into sound weapons myself. Only for my next novel, you understand. But weapons are being developed that work solely by emitting sound waves. These waves can't necessarily be heard, but they do have an effect on humans. Theoretically, they can be applied very effectively to crowd control. However, they've never been put into practice. At least we didn't think they had. So that's what we think the answer must be. What if a concentrated sound wave is fired and it's just by coincidence that old Jack's window seat stands in its path along with the glasses and even Imelda's dog? Bertie. Yes, Bertie. Before we could fully accept this theory, we needed to examine the purple frog once more to trace the path that we think the sound wave must have taken. I had a suspicion of where the sound waves could be coming from. 
but I didn't want to say anything until I knew for sure. Because the purple frog is on a hill, and nothing in the back room was damaged, we knew that it had to be coming from across the town. We followed the rough trajectory from the pub, through the town, around the community orchard, past the unknown library, and into the forest. Now, I thought it was going to lead us to the military base, but it didn't. It led us to a path that goes through the woods with loads of pieces of what looked like fruit. Yes, most odd. Watermelons, mangoes, grapefruit, you name it. It was in pieces on the floor in front of us. I think even a few pieces of walnut were in the mix. Personally, I think that the military base had been testing those sound weapon things you said about. But instead of testing them in their own base, they came out into the woods to test them on fruit. I suppose they probably thought that no one would discover them, so they could get away with it. Perhaps the sound waves travelled further than they bargained for. But we can't prove it. Unless we were to spend another night skulking around that base in the woods, the case will remain unsolved. And if my research is correct, wandering too close to those kind of weapons is incredibly dangerous. It's simply too great a risk. So, officially from us, it's still an unsolved case. But something tells me one day soon we'll find the answers we're looking for. Now before we go, we just have time for this week's community announcements. Trudy wishes to inform everyone that in light of our investigation, all drinks will be served in teacups in the Purple Frog. Horace would like everyone to keep an eye out for his missing bells. Ever since the previous incident, we're all still sending out our good hopes and well wishes to Jezebel Good's cat. As we mentioned earlier, the pumpkins are starting to grow teeth, so avoid the pumpkin patch unless you want a nasty nip. And finally, Kevin the gardener has resorted to tainting the fountain water with something rather nasty indeed, so would the children of Witchhaven please keep out? I would also like to add that whoever set my shrubbery on fire must come forward and apologise on pain of public humiliation. If Jackson and I can solve this week's mystery, we can certainly track down you vandals. The witching hour is almost upon us once more, so Imelda and I will bid you good night. And remember, ghosts aren't always to blame for this town's haunted happenings. Thank you for listening to Tales from Witchhaven. This podcast was brought to you from the minds of Dan Lee and Rodeo Writer, produced by Rodiax. If you have enjoyed your stay, please like, subscribe and follow us as we explore more mysteries from this sleepy little town. Beware, the witching hour draws near. <laughs>